Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to this week's Heart of Dating Select episode. I'm actually excited to let you know that, well, I have mixed feelings about it, actually, but today's episode will be the last Heart of Dating Select episode on the series of mental health and faith. And why I have mixed feelings about it is because I have loved this series so much and I don't want it to come to a close, but also I'm really excited about season seven coming next week because we are actually opening a can of worms and we are going to, for the first time ever on the podcast, start tackling the topic of LGBTQ plus in this community of Heart of Dating. I'm so excited to do this together with love and grace and compassion. But today we are wrapping up our Heart of Dating Select series. The feedback from you guys on this series has been so phenomenal. And I am just personally so grateful to hear your stories of how this season of mental health and faith episodes have touched your life. Now on that note, hearing so many of your stories, I'm also in the know that many of you have been needing a resource for a great therapist. You may have heard me talk about this service before, but I want to reintroduce faithful counseling into your lives and into your ears. I just honestly cannot get enough of it. The reason why I'm always telling you about this service, you guys, is because I could not be a bigger advocate for therapy, and I know that so many people in our community need it. And not only that, they need an affordable option to find a Christian therapist. And that's why I keep introducing faithful counseling to you guys. So Faithful Counseling is an affordable option to find a virtual Christian therapist. And if you sign up through Heart of Dating, you'll get a 10% discount on your first month. You can do that by going to getfaithful.com slash heartofdating. Recently, one of my good friends actually told me that she signed up for Faithful Counseling through Heart of Dating, and she is loving it. She's doing it mainly for maintenance, emotional maintenance in her life. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I don't have major traumas in my life that I need to heal from. I don't have anything that's crazy that's been happening lately. But honestly, guys, getting counseling can just be great maintenance to keep up with your emotional, mental, and spiritual health. Hundreds of people in our Heart of Dating community have actually tried faithful counseling and loved it. And so I want to encourage you to consider it as well. All right. So on today's Heart of Dating Select episode, we are talking about removing shame and restoring the relationship with yourself. Woo! Ironically, you guys, I needed to personally rehear this episode so bad right now in this season. As you know, probably if you've listened to the podcast recently, I've been currently working through a season of burnout, uh, a season of anxiety, and a season of depression. And within that, there has been so much shame and even self-hatred that has consistently been coming up for me. So if you have personally ever been through trauma, if you've struggled with overwhelming shame or self-hatred, If you have family of origin issues that keep popping up in your life, or if you've struggled with deep father wounding, today, Abby and Justin do an amazing job of unpacking all of these things. They together help thousands of people find healing in the brokenness of their own lives. So I really, really hope that today's powerful episode blesses you. Justin is a nationally sought after speaker and life consultant. He has spent over a decade facilitating emotional healing in the lives of thousands of individuals and training others to do the same. His dream is to refine love in practical and empowering ways. His hope is that this love would restore and redeem marriages, families, and all the brokenhearted. Justin is also the author of The Tree of Life and the co-host of The Connected Life, an international podcast focused on healing the human soul. Then there's the amazing Abby Stumble. Abby was 12 years old when she prayed, if you could teach me how to love myself, I will change the world. This simple prayer ignited her adventure of uncovering the power of love. Throughout her journey, she has seen love conquer the fear and torment that once seemed impossible for her to overcome. She and Justin co-run a life consulting business where they meet with clients and train others to do the same in their lives. 
She is also the co-host of The Connected Life, an international podcast focused on healing the human soul. And she travels the world speaking and teaching others how to encounter unconditional love and live fully alive. I can also say this, you guys. I love The Connected Life podcast. It is so good, and I've been recently binge listening to all of their episodes, so definitely get on that after you listen to this conversation with Justin and Abby today. This conversation is filled with wisdom and truth nuggets. It is raw and honest and full of love. So I really hope that you just take a moment to clear your minds, to clear your distraction, and listen to this beautiful episode with Abby and Justin Stumble. All right, Justin and Abby Stumble, I am so excited, y'all, to have you on the Heart of Dating today. Welcome, you guys. Oh, we're so excited to be here. Yeah, it's so fun. Thanks for bringing us on. <gasps> yeah. I'm so pumped, you guys. We love dating. You do? That's good. We love dating. We we love we love talking about dating. We love talking to people who date. <laughs> yeah. We I'm love st- that process. I'm still dating lots of people, <laughs> just to be good at it. I'm just joking. Just joking. Oh, my gosh. Just I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> what kind of we, a podcast we, we, this here. episode's gonna go a different direction than we thought. All together, we actually grew up in the area of "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," oh, which we're not sure. we're not gonna throttle that, you know, <laughs> book. But it was it was one for us where we actually have a value system that that is for dating, yes. and is the journey of exploring our heart and exploring other people in healthy ways yes. and empowering ways. Yeah, I love that. I too grew up kind of in the I Kiss Dating Goodbye era. I will admit to everyone listening, I still have the book, but mainly for reference of like, you know, things that didn't impact me in the best way. And um, (laughs) (laughs) it's nothing, well, even Josh Harris, it's fine. But listen, he's apologized. I know, he has. And I think if you took any book I wrote on dating when I was 20, it would make a mess too. Like none of my beliefs about dating. 20 were solid Uh oh y'all same I'm like gosh I mean lord help me at that point in my life I was like not in the best place so imagining me writing a book at 20 like I don't even know like anyway so I'm so excited that you guys love dating so before we get into the conversation which I'm just so excited to do would you guys just share a bit about who you are and your your passions and what you do me and Justin are married we've been married for 11 years and we we've been a happy mess the entire time time. (laughs) bring us the truth just tell the truth yes that is the truth and um, but I actually didn't even know it was a mess mostly I thought it was just happy but um but every year when it got better I could look back and be like oh (laughs) but so we got married we both grew up in super dysfunctional families and came to the concept of love, dating, marriage with a lot of brokenness, a lot of judgments, a lot of triggers, a lot of wounds. And then we got married and we kind of jumped in. We did we did all of dating and our beginning of marriage kind of different. <laughs> we got married real quick. Okay. And then what we did is we took a road trip around the US for six months. Oh, in wow. A truck. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You Quit lived in the truck? Just driving around. <laughs> yeah. But we, we, we didn't live out of people. it. We stayed with people. Okay. We had all of our stuff with us, though. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so here's the thing. If you need to work through some stuff, it's a great way to do it, being forced to be around Trial each other. Trial by fire. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 24 <laughs> 7. So for we six quickly months. realized oh that we needed to figure some relationship stuff out. And so that led us into a journey of lots of inner healing for both me and Justin. Uh And that kind of spiraled us into accidentally, like we just brought the people that were close to us along with us and they started getting inner healing. And then their friends were like, what is going on with you? I want to do that too. And so we accidentally kind of started a business where people just kept asking if we could meet with them and help walk them through stuff. And so then we said, I guess, and we didn't mean to do it. We weren't trying. It was before life coaching and life consulting was so popular. Right, right. And we just started doing it. And then more and more people, you know, word spread. We've never advertised. We didn't mean to start a business. It just kind of happened. And then it got to the point where we had waiting lists for so long that now we um, have started doing courses so that we can help as many people as possible. But mostly it all came out of us being like, we are so screwed up. If we don't do something about this, we will never be happy. Yeah. There there was a, there was a crossroads where I knew that 
if I didn't dig in and start facing my greatest fears, no matter what it cost me, that it was going to actually cost me my marriage. It was going to cost wow. me relationships. And so I dove headfirst into transformation. Right before we got married, I made a commitment to God. I said, God, I want to face all my greatest fears because I know that fear is the gateway between me and the destiny of who I'm created to be. Like if we want to find the fullness of who we are, we have to face fear, pass through it, and on the other side of it is who God intended us to be. Wow, that's so good. Let's just like nugget drop that right there. It's so awesome, you guys. <laughs> well, that's why I love you guys. You're unashamed about your story, about your past, and how God has really <laughs> used that. Like, you're not like, oh yeah, we had the perfect dating relationship. We had the perfect beginning of marriage, and we we're like this happy, amazing <laughs> couple. I mean, you guys are a happy and amazing couple today, but it was, be yeah. it also, you know, took a lot of work to get there you know you're not like well I think like it's not even I don't even feel shame about it yes. I'm like there's hope for anyone yes. I yeah. literally feel if that we way. can do it you if can do we it we can do it anyone can Praise do God. it if you can fight for like you can change your life you can change your generational patterns you can change what you've learned growing up you can change your normal you can you can change everything in your life and love can be real even if you never experienced it before I, I think foundationally for me, as, as just a side note, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, just share a little bit about yes, my background. Yes, yeah. I was just going to ask you to do that, so go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I grew up in, a, in what was called, you know, air quotes, Christian home. Right, okay. And a lot of us have grown up in that space, but that doesn't actually mean that there's uh, health, wholeness, and abundant life. And so in my childhood, I, my space was very verbally, physically, and emotionally abusive with regards to my mom. My, my parents were married, stayed married. They still are married. Um, my dad was very passive and checked out of the home and very aggressive on his job sites. He owned a business. And when I was there, there was a lot of aggression expressed. And so my foundation was my world didn't feel safe. And in the church that I grew up in, it was heavily uh, toxic in its religiousness. And so judgment, criticism, condemnation, there, there wasn't a space to be messy, to be in your pain. There wasn't wanting to find out the heart of who you are, what's going on. It was uh, quote unquote sin management. Mm. And so with that said, in my early 20s, as I got out of the house, went to college, I, I hit my own wall in my own heart. And at, at that point of hitting the wall, I was like, God, it's not that I don't want you. It's that I don't want this religious system. And the word promises life and life more abundantly, this abundant life. But I said, I don't feel it. Yeah. And so my phrasing to God was, if you are actually real, it needs to become tangible and transformational inside of my life. And I was really sad and disheartened, but I was open. Mm -hmm. And so I said, God, if you're real, what do I do? Show me my next steps because I want tangible truth to follow. And this is where I'll wrap my, my portion of my story up. But he led me to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He stopped at the love portion. And it's a scripture, every foundation, every foundational scripture, every Christian knows, but he said, this is the most overlooked word in all of my word, love right here. And he said, Justin, love is a key. This is what's going to heal you. And it's what's going to transform the world. And I felt the Lord give me an invitation say, I'm inviting you on a journey. If you want to discover what love looks like towards yourself and towards others, there's a gift inside of that. And so that was my foundational journey at 2021, where I started going, okay, God, show me what love practically looks like and tangibly feels like. So. Wow. And that's like a whole, I want to go into that more because I want to actually go into like, what did that journey of love look like for you? But Abby, before we go in there, I'd love to also hear just a little bit about your family of origin background so we can really, I yeah. know that there are some things in your past too. And, and um, then we could talk about like how, what is that journey of going on? Like, it yeah, it looks, looks like, like exactly. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds really nice. Yeah. Like, let's all go let's on the journey of love. Let's just love. love. Like, yeah, what that mean? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It can be very fluffy. Yes. <laughs> I always say to people like, yeah. it's easy to say, oh yeah, I know God loves me, but it's really hard to connect between your head and your Absolutely. heart. Like really yes. what that means. Like we can all day long till we blew in the face say like, yeah, God is good. Yeah, God loves me like but do you really believe that at your core is it connecting to your heart and so anyway definitely want to go into the practicality of that but Abby would love to hear a little bit about your journey too yeah well I grew up also in a Christian home I've known God my whole life but in the middle of that there was lots of 
torment. I didn't really understand it when I was a kid. I just thought it was like random where I was super suicidal at a young age, hated myself. I would have crazy fits of like self-hatred where I would like scream uncontrollably. I hate myself. Mm. And, and so depressed, anxiety attacks, self-hatred attacks, like you name torment, fear. I was also sick at a young age, had health issues. And so I was just like a real hot mess. And then as I got older and began um, unwinding my story, could see like, oh, actually I grew up, my house was a war zone. My mom was mentally ill. My dad was super angry. Like there was just a lot of like, now I can understand, oh, this girl was in survival and in trauma responses to a lot of what was happening around her. And that's why she was feeling so many things, but didn't know what to do with them. But I remember going on this journey thinking, okay, I don't have, like, I felt so inherently broken. I grew up feeling so inherently broken. Like I was just bad. And there's lots of reasons for my childhood I won't go into, but why it felt so true that there's just something really broken with me. And so I couldn't, like, I was like, I have no gifts. I have no talents. I'm just like, worse than everybody else I had this like vision of like God with a salt shaker on like babies before they come to earth where he like passes out gifts and talents and I was like the salt must have gotten like stuck in the salt shaker over me and so then the next person he recognized it and he's like oh it's stuck and shook extra hard like all my friends were the super talented people but um (laughs) so I really had this belief like I have nothing to give or offer the world I don't know like who, like what I have. And I just said, God, if you could teach me how to love myself, because I babysat for this woman who was everything that you could want to be. Like she was so beautiful and had amazing style and had an amazing house and this super hot husband and these great kids and they had great finances. It was like everything you would dream of. And I babysat and she hated herself. She would grab her stomach, which was non-existent, and be like, oh, this is so gross. And I was literally like, I don't understand. And it just hit me. I was like, it really doesn't matter whether you have it all or not. Like, here I am. I'm like, I'm so awkward and gangly, and I've got nothing. And she's so beautiful and has everything, but she feels the same as me. So I was like, God, if you could teach me how to love myself, I actually wouldn't have to be good at anything. People would just be interested. They just want to know how do you how did you get to loving yourself? And I was like, and then I would just be able to point to you. And so I began to go on the journey of learning how to love yourself, which is a long journey. It is not like I love people. They're real innocent when they start it. They're like, oh, in a year, I'll definitely be fully 100 percent where I'm loving myself (laughs) and then they're like I've been working on this journey for three years it's so long it's never gonna end (laughs) I'm never gonna love myself and I'm like no no every year gets easier and better and more full and filled and like there's most of what I felt growing up I I don't like 90 percent of what I felt growing up I don't feel anymore but every year love grows bigger Mm. and I always say to that point we're kind of always in process. I'm like, if something happens Mm -hmm. to you, it's okay. Like, don't be, at least I say this, don't be so alarmed. If that comes back at some point, you know, to like be like kind of hit you a little bit, it's really what you do with it at that point because triggers are real and you may be triggered Mm -hmm. again by something, you know, and we're just always in process. Now you, if you work through it, do the work, you now have stronger tools to be able to handle that trigger and it doesn't have to totally take you out. And so much of my story is also pretty dysfunctional especially when it comes to relationships. And so while I say, yes, I feel so healed, it doesn't mean that there's not moments where my very abusive relationship comes to haunt me because yeah, there are times that happens, you know? And so loving ourselves, healing is totally this journey that is where we're constantly, I feel in process. And so- You know, one thing and I, I yeah. I'm going to jump in super yeah, fast. Totally. I'm so sorry, no, go but in. I got so excited about <laughs> what you were saying. I, because love was the journey for me, it became a thing where when triggers come up, I don't feel shame that there's something. I'm literally like, oh, this is another area for me to let love in more. 
So it actually just feels like when when issues come up that I'm getting to expand the territory that love gets into because basically triggers are the spots where I don't believe love is real for me yet or I or I still have a lie that keeps love out yes. for some reason. And so to me, when old wounds come up, like and this is part of what it practically looks like in our lives yeah. to let love in is I had to face every area that love wasn't. It's not a glamorous road learning to love yourself because you actually have to face self-hatred. You actually have to face shame. You actually have to face the Judgment. areas that you feel yes. unworthy. Criticism. Mm-hmm. The areas Comparison. you feel not enough. Insecurity. But when you face those and invite love to those places, mm-hmm. it transforms you. And I, I want to add this real quick, too, to that. Um, We're chatty. I'll, oh, I we love are it, chatty. y'all. Just go for it. I'm all about it. I'm like, amen. Keep it on. There's a difference between I have to and I get to. And a lot of people get stuck at the idea um, because as children, we feel like a burden inside of our homes. So all of a sudden, when all of these pain and problems come up, it looks more like a burden that we just like, want to get past. Ugh, okay, I have to fine. Do I have to do again. this again, I guess. I'm getting tired of doing this work. But that's because it's rooted in this idea that we are initially a burden. And rather than I get to in the sense of, oh my gosh, what a delight. I get to be part of the redemption and restoration process of this for myself. And I get to treat myself in a way that maybe my parents didn't have the capacity to in my upbringing. I get to be the parent, the mom, the dad that I didn't have by delighting in the child within that's just needing compassion. Because really at the end of the day, the journey of um, loving ourselves and finding healing is one of getting into a posture of compassion towards this other human being Mm -hmm. that just needs love. And so I think that we have dehumanized the person in the mirror and it's not until we humanize that person that we can really fully buy into this journey of restoration and love towards oneself. It is so good that you guys say that. I'm just going to say a very brief thing. I earlier last year went to Onsite, if you guys have heard of that, outside of Mm -hmm. Nashville. Have you heard of that? Okay. And we worked within the kind of the context of what you guys are sharing and we you know, work specifically with inner child. And I remember in one specific exercise with the therapist and, you know, we're supposed to like really connect to our soul and our inner child. And I was like, no, I'm like a different person today. I don't want to <laughs> like visit the person I was in childhood. Like I was a screamy, mm-hmm. angry, like kind of ugly child. And I don't want to look at that. I'm different today. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I think we need to look at it. And when she pictured it, then they do these exercises where you have props and it's all very interactive. And someone was playing my inner child. And in this moment, she was like, it sounds like you have a lot of anger or you had a lot of anger. And so she throws like a red scarf over my inner child. And then she's like, it also Mm. sounds like you are carrying a lot of shame because you don't even want to look at that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that's true. And she threw a black scarf over it. And then to visually look at my inner child, my my soul and and see like these scarves, these coverings. And I actually had to switch positions and be the inner child and see what that felt like. It was this moment for me of like, oh my gosh, this is a part of me. This lives within me. And I'm trying to hide it and cover it up and be angry at it. And I just, and, or I feel so much shame that I don't want to face it. And, but that doesn't mean any of that goes away. And in turn, I'm just so not accepting myself. And it was this moment of sadness for me of like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I feel like I I thought I was embracing myself. I thought I was loving Mm. myself, but I'm loving myself today, but that isn't inclusive of the entirety of who I am. And so in order to walk in that wholeness, I have to, I I have to love that person too. Right. And you have to love the place that you don't love. You love to be real like if you love the places that are lovable that's not even love like that's no. what the bible says right. yeah, but when you can go back and lo- and we have yeah. so many clients the exact same story as you where they're like oh but I don't just I just don't look at this part of my life right right but and, and you're right you carry that shame and that like what do you say anger for me yeah. shame and anger yeah you carry that inside of you mm-hmm. it lives in your and body it, yeah and it steals love from you well what happens i want to add to this is that when we are so unwilling good. to visit that child what we are doing is we are uh, empowering uh, a sense of abandonment so abandonment we as human beings are already in abandonment we already feel like orphans it's the brokenness from the beginning of time 
that we believe that we're disconnected from love and love doesn't choose us. So every time that we cut ourselves off from a piece of our history and say, that's the past, I don't need to go there, there's actually a piece of our our history, our heart, our being that we've now created abandonment. And that's why people are like always like, I don't know why I feel so alone in life and I have everyone around me, but no one feels <laughs> right. actually close to me. It's because you've abandoned a part of your soul and that's the yes. piece of your soul or your heart is speaking to you saying, hey, you abandoned me. I need you to come meet with me. Mm, exactly. And when we're talking about this, I want to interject something about practicality of love. Yes. If please, you don't mind. That would be great. Yeah. Because I think that practically speaking, restoring that relationship doesn't like, what does it mean to love myself? What does it mean to practically connect with myself? Um, and I kind of have an illustration in my head of that. Early on in Abby and I's marriage, I was driving down the road one day and a battle of a, a, a battle inside of my head and my heart was you'll never be successful and now contextually um in all the pain of my childhood my parents always believed i could be and do whatever i wanted and then i was I graduated at the top of my class in high school top of my class in college i had college professors that said you know all we want to do is follow your life there's something special on your life we want to see what what evolves out of it and so i had a lot of encouragement in the area of external success so it didn't really make sense like where did i where did this voice of you won't be successful come from and so as i'm driving down the road having this contemplative moment I catch my eyes in the rearview mirror and all of a sudden as I catch those eyes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the one. I picked it up. I decided. I empowered this. And as I'm looking into my eyes, I start saying, Justin, I'm the one that told you you'd never be successful. No one else has said that. I've done it. I've empowered it. I am so sorry for all the places I've told you you won't be successful. And all of a sudden there's this bubbling in the deepest places of my belly. And I start feeling this rumbling of tears coming to the surface. And I can almost, it's almost like I can hear that inner voice say, um, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to acknowledge me. I've been waiting for you to acknowledge this. And I begin to just cry. These tears are pouring down my face. And I begin to apologize, not just for, you know, the idea of me saying you'll never be successful, but I started hearing a million phrases that I'd empowered. You're an idiot. You're a failure. Yeah. Um, you're too broken. You're just a broken toy. You're never going to be enough. Um, people don't like you. All these phrases. And I start saying, I'm the one that empowered this. I'm the one that said it. I'm so sorry, Justin. Will you please forgive me? And I'm weeping at this point as I'm beginning this apology process. Mm. And so literally what I realized is that you know this war with our heart that we're in we're at war with another human being yeah so to say mm -hmm. and until we actually when i talked earlier about humanizing ourselves mm -hmm. we have to begin that process of oh there's another human being and would i treat another human being like this and if i wouldn't and and i had spent years being abusive because the truth is i was abusive in my language uh towards justin and in a lot of other ways and my first step in restoring and rebuilding this relationship had to be with the acknowledgement. Oh, there's been a painful way that I've treated this person. And from that acknowledgement, there had to be the ownership, like going, no, I need to change this. I need to change the way that I do this. This is not okay. It did happen and it's not okay. And then it began the repentance or the apology process is I had to begin to say sorry for all these. And this began, you know, years long of me beginning a journey of learning how to acknowledge, own, and apologize mm -hmm. in order to restore. And so what progressively happened in that and why this is key is that I find a lot of people don't have the capacity to feel God's love. Mm -hmm. They come into my office and they say, I hear that God loves me, but I don't feel it. Mm -hmm. And this is why this is so key. The reason that we can't feel God's love is that we're not being willing to reflect the Father's love to ourselves. Mm, wow. So our heart is existing inside of ourselves and it's going, yet yeah, I hear that God loves me, but you condemn, judge, criticize, belittle, and berate me when I make mistakes, when I don't show up the way you want me to show up. I am in so much pain because you will not reflect the fruit of the Spirit towards me. And so 
we have to become a mirror reflection of heaven's heart towards ourselves, and that is how we begin this process of tangibly restoring and redeeming this relationship and healing ourselves but it can only be done in the humanizing the person in the mirror wow i love that we have to become a mirror reflection of heaven's heart towards ourselves that's so powerful. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it like that, Justin. It's so amazing. Thank you for that illustration and practically sharing with us what that looked like for you. Gosh, I'm just so in, I'm impacted by that deeply. I know, isn't it? Smooth? I'm like, oh my I mean, gosh, you, yeah, girl. You probably can't say that, but I can. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I just will say as a caveat because you said that, Abby. Like, for any of our men listeners, which we have, like, I think what was so cool, even just being at a place like onsite where you're there to do like some deep work. I went up to every single man at that place and I was like, thank you for being here. Thank you for yeah. wanting to be vulnerable and. Yeah. for going to these places because I know there's a special heavy level of of hardness of vulnerability for men this day in our current era and I just like recognize it I want to call it out I want to honor it because it's amazing and like let's just say for all the guys listening all the women find it attractive so so sexy (laughs) they do guys women find it so hot just a part of power Power isn't domination. Power is the ability to actually rip our chest wide open and become vulnerable and honest with ourselves and the world around us. And that's the most brave and courageous thing that we can do inside of our masculinity. Yes. Oh my gosh. We could do a whole episode about that. (laughs) Honestly. We, we, We could. I love that. All right, y'all. It's time to get honest. I've struggled with adult acne for years, and it's been incredibly difficult to say the least. Now this is terrible to even admit you guys, but back in the day, I used to heat up a washcloth and in essence tried to burn the bad acne off of my face. This quote unquote worked for a time being, it made the acne go down, but eventually all it did was leave even worse red scarring on my face. I've also gotten other terrible advice to put toothpaste on my acne and all sorts of other weird solutions and concoctions. But here's the fun fact, most home remedies and over-the-counter acne products don't work. And even worse, they can really damage your skin. Exhibit A. But do you know what actually does work? Prescription treatments. That's why I'm so excited to partner with Apostrophe, the sponsor of today's episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. They actually connect you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your skin. All you have to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and medical history. Then you'll snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne, but they can also help you hit your other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. Since I'm now in my 30s, I really felt that it was time to stop my adult acne and start working on the redness and some of the wrinkles I'm even getting. That's why Apostrophe has truly been amazing in my life. Today, I'm so excited to share that we have a special deal for our audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash heartofdating when you use our code heartofdating. Now, this code is only available to our listeners. To get started, you go to apostrophe.com slash heartofdating, click begin visit, and then use our code heartofdating at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash heart of dating and use the code heart of dating to get your dermatology visit and save $15. We thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast and saving our skin. 
All right, friends, so as a woman who's actually been abused and taken advantage of in the past, coupled with also being a woman who has lived in bigger cities, I always want to make sure that I feel safe wherever I go. Even now in Los Angeles, when I walk around my neighborhood, when I go run errands, or venturing out into new areas of LA, I just always want to make sure that I feel safe. So I discovered this incredible brand made by women that is absolutely amazing. It's called Birdie. Birdie is a personal safety alarm that is easy to carry and simple to use. Seriously, I tried it and I love using it. It's so easy to use, you guys. When activated, the alarm will emit a loud siren and flashing light to help deter an attack. Birdie is no danger to you, so you can feel confident using it. And as a bonus, it comes in fun colors, so you'll actually want to carry it. I actually got a few to give to some of my friends because they make phenomenal gifts. With Birdie, you can keep doing what you love with added peace of mind. Before you leave the house, you do the checklist for your phone, your keys, and your wallet. And now it's time to add one more thing before you walk out the door. Birdie is the newest essential addition to your routine. Sometimes it's hard not to worry about the what ifs of life. What if I don't make it in time? What if I mess up? What if I feel like I'm in danger? If you don't want to worry when it comes to your safety, especially as a woman, you need Birdie. So how do you get it? You can visit She's Birdie, spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash heart. And by doing that, you'll get 15% off. That's She's Birdie dot com slash heart to get 15% off your order. I could not recommend it more, you guys. Please go check it out if you want to feel safe in your routine. I just love my birdie, and I'm going to be giving them away to so many of my friends from here on out. Now, you're talking a lot about loving ourselves. I also want to talk about a lot of people, a huge mass for people is also just not only working through the lies they believe, not only is, and also a part of this is also just shame, feeling like I don't even know how to get to that place because I I don't know what it even looks like to face some of the shame. Like they're too afraid to do that. And I know that's the case for me. Like the example I just shared, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good right now. And that's a long time ago. And it's too painful to kind of go back there. So let's just stick with today. And my therapist was like, no, I, I don't no. think we're going to do that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is people are motivated by pain and it's how they define pain. Mm. So you were defining that it was more painful to look at her mm. than it was to keep the shame and anger with you. Right. Wow. So like when you just, and so I think that's why, like what we've seen with the people we work with, the people who want out the most get out. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, I think in my life I was like, I'm so like the shame is so bad. I did not play down how much shame was robbing from me, how much victim mentality was robbing from me, how much things. So I actually, and I do this with clients where I'm like, let's actually make a list can we look through your life and can we see what all shame is stealing? So like, oh, it's stealing your ability to have a voice with these people. Oh, it's stealing your ability to believe that these people love you. Oh, it's stealing your ability to attract people who would actually treat you well. Oh, it's stealing your ability to show up as you like. I, and I would go I go through my life with anything that I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to face this yet. It looks too big. I want to build a case about what shame and um and anything that keeps love out in our lives. It could be fear, it could be whatever. What is that actually doing? Because there shame and fear or whatever bullies you have, we call them like emotional bullies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever you have, they're going to lie to you and they're going to tell you that they're safe and that they protect you. Mm-hmm. I, I I I talk about personifying the emotional bullies. So what are what are the emotions that are our best friends inside of our lives and are they actually good friends or are they bullies? And so when we have a, a like our consistent relationship is with comparison. Yes. I, we got to begin to go, okay, this person named comparison, how are they actually affecting me? And I imagine it like a friend. If I had a friend named comparison and they were always telling me 
how horrible or how great I was, but you never knew when you would get uh-huh. what. Yes. And you actually, you actually only feel good for a minute because a minute later they tell you how bad you are and they are constantly keeping your value in flux. When you start to visualize it, it gets easier and easier to want to distance and disconnect and break up with that friendship. And it's, yeah. it's like the idea of like, if you're in a marriage that's horrible and you're like, you're not going to get to a divorce until you build a case against your partner that you've been so intimate with yeah. until you go people no. are fine building cases against real people <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. they so really true. are yeah. they really are so a lot of people have a case for these friends yeah. so for instance like if fear is your best friend you know you're like no as long as i'm scared you know if i'm scared of people rejecting me they won't rejecting me well have they been rejecting you yes <laughs> even while you're <laughs> not scared. actually fulfilling uh-huh. <laughs> it's not doing what it says it'll do you no know, it's it's actually creating a self-fulfilling prophecy yes. and so once we see that the reason for them being there they're not actually there to give you what they promise they're lying to you and we can see that lie revealed um then we can actually build that case against them so this is why we're talking about a lot of things that seem like they have nothing to do with dating, but I want to no, bring it back. No, but it does. What, but okay, yeah, bring it back. <laughs> yeah, because everything we're saying is about dating. Yeah, it literally because is. I relate. <laughs> the the you uh, you only attract the love you think you deserve. Yes, yeah. and exactly. you find people. And here's what I'll say: you find people just like the parent you have the most unresolved with. Mm. So you find people who. And, and nobody wants to think this way. And I remember when they, when our counselor told us that, like, you're actually fighting against your parent, not against your spouse. And I'm like, no, it's literally Justin's behavior. <laughs> yeah, Justin's the problem. Actually, his behavior. <laughs> but um, it's not. It is yeah. actually. So the more you go on the journey of learning to love yourself mm. and learning to work on your the places where you're locking love out. Uh-huh, and dismantle these bullies. Then the easier, because here's the truth. Love is terrifying. It's terrifying for most of our souls. Most of us feel much more comfortable if somebody halfway likes us. And in a relationship with performance, I can yeah. earn love for, for, with you. Great. Because that means you have to give it to me. I can control you yeah. because I can do all these things and earn that love rather than I'm fully out of control. I can't earn this and I'm going to let you love me in my messiest places. That's terrifying. Terrifying. And so if you can build a history for saying yes to love then you don't have to run away in dating when real love shows up yes I think it's so important what you're saying because I always say to people that come to me for relationship coaching a lot of what we talk about it's not just like I'm not just hitch being like here let me hand you a dating process (laughs) like it's not like that I'm really about Three relation, three key relationships. First, your relationship with God. Second, your relationship mm-hmm. with yourself. Very, very, very mm-hmm. important. And then third, we can talk about your relationship with other people, which includes dating. So but we can't go there. Most of my coaching sessions, we're talking about how do we have a vision forward for your life in terms of what you want your relationship with God and yourself to look like. And then if we mm-hmm. can work on those, there's a process of, yes, let's let in the dating. But like you can't, how can someone else love you if you don't truly love you and you know I love that like how are you locking love out because if we are doing that then we're going to and this has been my pattern of my dating life you know seek that validation seek that affirmation seek those holes from other people to to fill it when and then when they can't fill it because or when it's feeble and weak or they wrong you or they leave you you're going to be left like blaming yourself back to all those shame all the lies you're talking about and back in this place of like feeling the lies that I always hear people say in singleness, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, or I'm too much, you know, and then you get stuck back there if this, if you don't prioritize working on this journey. (laughs) Well, and you're so right. If you don't work on yourself, you end up having desperation energy. Yeah. When you're trying to date yep. right. and where, cause you need them to fill something in you. And I remember with Justin, this actually happened when we were dating. So when I met him, I knew that I like, I was like, I like him. Um, at, at a certain point in us being friends, I knew like I, I could see myself marrying him and I found myself like trying to do and be all of the things that I thought he would want 
to pick me. Like, I don't think consciously I did that, but subconsciously my whole goal in dating him was to get him to choose me. Not, it wasn't, should I choose him? It wasn't, are we a good fit? It wasn't, do our core values align? It was like, I need to know that I can win you. Right. Yep. Girl, What's you're speaking thing? my language. That has been my history. <laughs> yes. And so then Justin broke up with me. Mm-hmm. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Dang right it was. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, it was real painful yes. because the, our communication and triggers, we were triggering all over the place. And his communication, I didn't really understand like his heart in it. But... Anyway, we broke up and I like had to come to this point. It was actually pretty great. I was around several women who's um, had been broken up with and then either met their spouse after that or had married the person who broke up with them. And all of them said, you got to go on a journey of figuring out who you are and owning it. Right. Like that is what this season and that's, is. That's part of why I broke up with her. Yeah. Like underlyingly, I knew that there was a womanhood journey that mm. she needed to go on that she couldn't get with me there because she would be looking to me in a way that wasn't actually healthy for her. At least that was my perspective. And I knew that it would cost me the potential of never getting her back. And I want to inject this part of loving well in the dating process, and I think that people need to perk their ears up and listen real close to this, <laughs> is it's about how do I love someone really well? And that, a lot of times that means how do I take you, get you, and land you, and make you mine? Mm-hmm. But that's selfishness, yes. and that actually isn't love. My, my foundation was how do I love this person in a way that even if that means me losing them, that that I'm willing to love them in that way. So if love means letting go of them and so that they can get actually what their soul, their heart, their mind, whatever their being needs, mm. then that is true love. Wow. Ironically, that was actually my definition also where I was like, I want a guy who would be willing to sacrifice something and not because I'm like, feel good love. Like, yeah, you can do a lot of great things, but if you're willing to, pay a price for something yeah. not like I was trying to make him pay a price ever but I just that's what I was looking for somebody who believed that love included sacrifice because in marriage yeah. listen you've got to yes. care sacrifices. about sacrifice oh my gosh that's for like, sure well, it's the only way that marriage works is if both people are willing to die <laughs> to <laughs> each other true. and come reborn as a new human oh my gosh but So he broke up with me and I did. I went on this journey and I got rid of it changed from can I get you to choose me to like, oh, I choose me. Oh, I like me. Oh, I actually. And it was halfway a self-love journey and halfway a trust journey with God Yes, where it was like, no, actually, I trust that if he's not the right one, somebody better is going to come. And every time I had broken up with. You realize it wasn't possible. There is no one better than me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Every time I had broken up with or been broken up with, this was my fear. Mm -hmm. Every breakup. I'm not going to find someone better. This is the best there is. And so then you have desperation and poverty mentality. Yes. And you're like, ah, what am I going to do? And you feel like you just let slip through your hands the very thing that you need for the rest of your life to be complete. Yes. And that is very high stakes. <laughs> and it's uh-huh. very poverty mentality. It and totally it lacks is. An, and it lacks an understanding of a good daddy who's mm. willing to be involved in your, your journey if you're willing to allow him to participate. Yes. Yeah. It kind of taps into like, when we say God is good, like, you know, we can, it's the same way. Oh, I know God loves me. I know God is good. But through our actions, we actually don't really believe it, right? Because if it was, we wouldn't say, oh my gosh, I just lost the one thing that was the very best for me and I'm never going to get something else. Like that's not trusting and truly believing that God is good and that he provides abundantly and amazingly for you. You know, that really isn't believing that, you know, so you can't say God is good. I believe that. And then at the same time say, but oh my gosh I will never find someone ever again yeah. like this person I dated <laughs> exactly so real. it's so, real. so true mm-hmm. and so that's I went on the journey I was like no I believe that there's a good thing for my future there's yes. good things coming there's not just one plan there's not just one person I believe that so I had to start changing my mindset and speaking it out and I like totally killed the idea of Justin in my head and then we ended <laughs> up back together but 
when we ended up back together, I was a different mm. person because now when we got back together, I was like, I'm not actually sure yes. if I want to marry you. <laughs> I never yes. thought about it. And I, this is what don't, I talk don't lie. to. Don't lie. <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> but like, this is what I tell people in dating. I'm like, if your whole mindset is about what do they think about me, mm then you're not actually present in dating. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I add uh, Can I add this to it? Yeah. yeah. What you've also done is you've taken this uh, opposite gender, this person, and you've um, you've put them on your God spot. Right. And you've actually deified yep. this person. Mm-hmm. Do you choose me? Am I enough to you? You're actually making a God out of them. And, and so I think that that in, in turn entering into a relationship like that then like we said before it ends up tormenting you the rest of the time because when they disagree or they don't like you all of a sudden you begin to fall apart because you've put them in your god spot you've put them in that highest place that pedestal and it can be super destructive so you don't want that long term in a marriage that causes so much anger and resentment and bitterness because you start feeling controlled by the person so many other messy things that come with that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. nobody has the emotional capacity to make you feel amazing and entertain you for the rest of your life like yeah nobody and i think that sometimes what we 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 would never probably say that like nobody's going to be like i'm looking for someone to entertain me make me feel amazing for the rest of my life like no one would say that but i think that is like so deep down some of our actual desires it's like i'm looking yes. for somebody who's going to make me feel like i'm on cloud 9 every day like will you fill all of the holes that all of my parents missed yes oh my gosh will you tell me in every way possible that I'm worthy of love. Yes. Every single second of every day. And never question me. Like, you Totally. Yes. And it's just not how a healthy relationship works. And I just laugh. It's funny to say out loud, but I think it's like a really good challenge for people to say, is that my mentality? Have I been looking for somebody to fill this void within myself? Like, if I'm really honest, is that what I'm doing? Right. And to that point, there's just something else I want to quickly bring up because I think that the it it actually is way more common than it is not to have uh, a dysfunctional childhood of some nature. Yeah, it's like ninety percent of humanity had a dysfunctional right. childhood, but we imagine ninety percent of humanity had a normal one. Especially, mm-hmm. and I think especially when you come into the Christian world, there's like this extra oh, level yeah. of like, oh, I'm Christian, and my parents were Christian, and so therefore, you know, like I had this perfect upbringing, right? And uh-huh. I, I think it's especially in the Christian lens, you add that, and then it's like, oh, well, everything was just happy-go-lucky, cheery Brady Bunch, but because because of that and some people did realistically have a decently great childhood yeah. that's awesome but i think that so because of this you. we are yeah <laughs> me too not my story totally <laughs> great but you know and i've been a i've been on the receiving end of feeling this way as well but you know finding being a person that has been through a dysfunctional family childhood and other even terrible like abusive or dysfunctional relationships in life, I find that also as Christians coming to this fact of like almost this self-serving mentality in dating, once we find out that part about someone's life, we're very quick to be like, you know what? That's not what I was thinking for myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you guys deal with that, but I feel like there is a lot that is happening (laughs) about that where people are judging other people. And I just want to kind of debunk that and and talk through why we having a, a hard family fast, uh, past, dysfunctional family, isn't shouldn't be an automatic disqualifier for people in dating relationships. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say like, I think I have like four standards that I think are super important yeah. for somebody that you're looking for. And they're a lot different than what people think. But um, so I say like one of the things I think is important is a good work ethic because you can't actually make somebody get one of those. Yeah, that's so whether that Whether that's work ethic for business or, or, or life externally or it's soul work ethic. Right. That's yeah. Good. Well, I just mean they have some ability to do something in life. You, right. They you wanna, can't make... You can't make a, a person who has no who doesn't motivation want to show up, be no motivated. motivation. Yeah. yeah, that's so um, good. The second thing, and this is speaking to what we're talking about, is that you have to be with somebody who does 
work on themselves and not on their own. They have to be willing to see a counselor. They have to be willing to talk to people around them. They have to be willing to get feedback and they have to be willing to do it consistently. So I don't care how broken your childhood is. If you are willing to be vulnerable, if you will own your stuff, if you will, um, let people go on the growth health journey with you, then you're going to be okay. It's the people that have a family of origin that is dysfunctional, but they're not willing to look at it or own it that I would say, yeah, there are so, I mean, that's a huge red flag. I think what's even scarier is a family of origin that seemingly was perfect and these people aren't willing to go on a journey of, of working, working on, on themselves, themselves. because yeah. they yeah. live in the delusion that they're perfect and everything's okay. Yes. And that's way more destructive. You get somebody that comes from a broken family who's willing they to know. face their brokenness. They're like, I'm broken. I got messy things that need to be dealt with. Yeah. And I need some healing. Right. Um, and then when something the, big and crazy might happen, which it does happen in life, you get thrown big roadblocks. You know, someone who's been through a past where they've gone on a journey of healing, it it's not abnormal. You know, it's like, okay, no. this is, something is happening and I'm not, it's not going to destroy me completely. And I'm also not going to yeah. compartmentalize it. I'm going to look at it, even though it's painful and this is really hard. And I'm going to find the hope within this place of somewhat fear or destruction And I think that a lot of times when somebody is growing up in a very, you know, quote unquote perfect scenario and everything's quote unquote perfect, like their life is going to be rocked at some point. It's just the way the statistic Mm -hmm. is 100% accurate that something's going to happen in your life (laughs) that's going to throw you off. And how are you going to be able to have the strength to withstand that? I have a friend who's dating this person Mm -hmm. and the person has a harder background And they're like, I just don't know if I want to do that. And I'm like, there are, you should not pick people where your triggers and their triggers make you worse people. Yeah, that's true. That happens. (laughs) Like, and, and so like, we're not saying you need to date people who are broken, but you also don't need to run from them. But part of the mentality she had was like, I don't know if this looks fun. And, but she has a lot of fun with this person. Like they're really fun. And she enjoys them. So it's not like just this heavy thing. And I'm like, yeah, but dating isn't just so that we feel good. Dating is meant to empower us to become who we are made to be. And so for you walking out a process of learning how to do confrontation with this person and learning how to walk with them in their pain, but not be over responsible, but also not cut them out of your life like that can bring you balance. Mm -hmm. So Actually, there's a gift. Whatever triggers us from someone else's past can actually normally be something that empowers us to get our own freedom. Because if we're, if I'm triggered by your past, there's something inside of me that needs to know that I can be okay inside of this. So I'm like, it's as much for her as it is for him. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like if you are a health, like if you're like, I came from a great family and I'm dating this person who came from a crazy family. Yeah, it will grow you and grow your skills and grow your ability to love and and force you to show up in a really beautiful way if you do that. Now, that's not talking about being in a relationship where that is abusive or that is. But it's just saying like, yeah, you have to learn some skills and that's beautiful. Yes. I, I want to say this too. We'll never choose anyone that's more dysfunctional than us or more healthy than us yeah. <laughs> because that's not the way it works. We will always magnetize someone at our own dysfunctional level. Yep. You may come wow. in thinking, oh no, they, I am way healthier than this person. Please, if you're attracted to them, it's because of your dysfunction totally. is attracted to their dysfunction as much as your strength is attracted to their strength. Oh yeah. When I married Justin, I thought like I've got it together and he's so screwed up. I thought the same thing. He did. <laughs> We both thought, oh, oh I'm sad you. for you. Like, that's and a lot. And then we found out we are both screwed up equally, uh-huh. completely equally. We want to think that we're better off than the other person because it helps our egos. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> makes us feel special. So, <laughs> But what, it's just like I always say, you know, you can think even on your journey healing, like, I am so healed. I am free. I am whole. I am blah, blah, blah. And then you can start dating. You're like, oh, shoot. Like, yep. I didn't. Like think that was still no, in this there. Is so true. <laughs> yes. Dating is like all of my friends will be like such 
awesome rock stars and then they get into a relationship and you're like where did that come yes. from? because <laughs> dating pushes on? our deepest triggers yes because the deepest fears of are we lovable are we worthy all of those things are so scary and you can't avoid those in dating. Yeah, they just come up like and and then you're forced to say, OK, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> you know, but that's where going on this journey of healing, if you're already going through like and and discovering these tools and fighting for your tri- against your triggers and sorting through them, it won't be scary when those moments come up because you're already Absolutely. in the mentality of like, I'm constantly a work in process. So I'm OK yes. if something's coming up right now. It's just it's not an opportunity for more shame. It's not an opportunity for me to say, you know what? I am totally broken. I need to get out of this. It's more to say, okay, what? how am I going to look at this and proceed to choose healing, even if it's tough? I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Say it, girl. Yes. Yes. Preach it. (laughs) Y'all are awesome. We need to meet up in real life. This is just a thing. For real. real. I feel like we're on the same wavelength. Y'all, there is so much more we could talk about, but you know, I want to respect people's time and your time and just thank you so much for sharing your hearts today every interview we end with the same exact final question so I'm going to do that to y'all right now we've shared a lot of nuggets today but if you could come and boil it down to one final thing what is your final nugget of dating advice for the heart of dating listeners today you want to you want to give one or you want me I had one and then it was gone you go (laughs) oh thanks a lot Oh, I'll just do one. Don't be desperate. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yep. Love your life. Love your life now. Love your life when you're single. Love your life when you're dating. Love your life when you're breaking up. Yeah. And I think that learning how to be present with life that's right in front of you, there's a special grace to just be present with the moment. When people learn how to be present in the process, whether that's a healing process or that's a dating process or whatever it is, today, you're only promised today. I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given, which is you're not promised tomorrow. You, I mean, God forbid you get smashed by a bus tomorrow walking across the street. That's the end of your life. And you spent so much time worrying about whether or not you were going to be chosen that you didn't actually fully get to enjoy what was right here. And so, especially when it comes to dating, like instead of walking down the aisle, wondering if you can marry this person, wondering if this is gonna work out, wondering if this is the right thing, why not come fully alive, learn how to become fully present with what's right in front of you and enjoy the life that you have Mm. because you only get to live it once. Yes. And that is such a word for our single people, especially we have lots of people listening in their thirties and forties. And you know, Mm. I'm not going to lie. And and I want to give them the empathy they deserve in that it is, it's tough, but there's Mm. such a beautiful message in like, okay, there is a purpose within the journey that they're on and to live each day as like, okay, what, how can I still choose hope and choose to enjoy a fulfilled whole life every single day, choose joy in a sense, not to compartmentalize mm. the pain. There is that totally. and to like really still face that and, and not pretend like it doesn't exist, but also like really live each day f- finding the good and being able to thrive within that versus feeling like you're just surviving in your life and yeah. waiting for yep. your journey of singleness to come to an end, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Y'all, Abby and Justin, you guys are just the best. I know Aww, you guys have, so fun. you know, programs and things you're working on. Share some of that with us so that the Heart of Dating people can find out more about those things, connect with you guys. I'd love for them to hear all the things. Well, we're launching our Living Fully Alive course yes. 2020. It's a 14-week program. And that that program helps actually take people on a heart journey of understanding themselves and helping them to become empowered in who they are and find that re- resolve in how to love themselves and then uh, equips and empowers them to be able to now relate through communication and heart connect with people around them. Oh, so we good. also have our podcast, which is The Connected Life. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yay. And then we also have um, a course called The Father Series, which is all about working through all of your dad issues, which is so good for men and women in dating. Because for men, that's where they learn how to treat women is from their fathers. And then for women... Our, we have, you know, it's, we, we need all the help we can get in healing our relationship with our fathers so that we can have healthy relationships with men. So you can find that at, uh, the living fully alive at stumballconsulting.com. Yes. 
and S-T-U-M-V-O-L-L. And you can go to Justin and Abby, that's abi.com to get the father series uh, in this season. So I love it. I, I'm like, I need the father series. That's awesome, y'all. <laughs> I'm like, I have daddy issues for sure. We all do. <laughs> yes. Don't we all? Minus those few people who have awesome dads. Good good job. Yes. Kate, it's been a tr- it's been a treasure getting to sit and talk to you. Thank you for letting us have this space with you. Yeah, I love your heart Aww. towards people and dating and, and empowering people. And you can tell that you are so smart and wise, but also vibrantly alive. Oh, yeah, I love that. Thank you, guys. Oh, that means so much. I just, I love y'all. I so support what you're doing. And I'm I'm really thankful. The last thing I'll say is I just get so thankful to see couples like you guys, especially who have been through a lot, especially where you've had dysfunction in your life and been at your lowest moments. And to see you see God's redemption in your story, to mm. see you guys come together mm. and use that story for something where you are helping heal other people's lives. And I just, I think it, it's so encouraging to anybody out there feeling like it's never going to happen for me or I'm like, you know, my burdens are too big to carry. I just hope that people listen to this. I, my heart is to say like to those people, keep your heart open and be inspired yeah. by the fact that this is possible, that healing, if, if anything else, that healing mm-hmm. is so possible and God's redemption is so powerful. Yes. And so I just love you guys. I want to celebrate you guys for being a picture of that and for helping inspire other people that that is possible for them as well. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for that. Thank you guys. Man, y'all, I don't know about you, but I really needed that episode today in my life. I pray that it blessed you. I pray that you felt seen. I pray that you feel so much more equipped to just take the first step to removing shame and restoring the relationship with yourself. I pray that you do the thing that you know you need to do, even if you've been putting it off. I pray that today is the day that you do that thing for yourself. Guys, this was the last episode in our Heart of Dating Select series, and we are so excited to start fresh next week with our season seven launch, where we are launching an LGBTQ plus series. Oh my goodness, let's open this can of worms, but do so with love and grace and compassion and open ears and mind and heart. I'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.